Now, Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. To Dean Limehouse and to the clergy here at Advent, we greet you again in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want to share with you from Luke 22, Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, Luke 22, 31 and 32, we find these words. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I pray for you that your faith faileth not. And when thou art converted, strengthen your brethren. This afternoon, I want to speak from the subject, uh, don't allow Satan to take you out of the game. Don't allow Satan to take you out of the game. Whenever two teams come together to play in a sporting event, hours upon hours of game film is looked upon. They watch game film in order to gain an advantage over the opponent that they're facing. And just as your scouts are out giving information about the other team, you better believe that the other team has scouts gathering information about you. And normally the team that does their homework is the team that is prepared and is the team that wins the game. It's the team that has come up with the best game plan. Child of God, I believe that we need a game plan. Uh, a game plan is an analytical plan. A game plan is a strategy to win the game. And we need to understand that our adversary, our enemy, um, not each other, but Satan has a game plan. And his game plan is to destroy the child of God. His game plan is to pit husbands against wives. His game plan is to pit um, children against their parents. His game plan is even to destroy the child of God. His game plan is to get preachers who act like pimps, to get deacons who act devilish, to get trustees who are tricky, ushers who are ugly, choir members who are chaotic, and members who are just mis miserable. I believe that the devil, Satan, does have a game plan. And we would be well served if you and I would come up with our own game plan. Because the devil has a history uh, a channel on each and every last one of us. He has a printout on what we like and what we don't like. And, and, and he's not going to use anything against you and I that we can in return laugh in his face. Um, if we are not, if we are not um, tempted by alcohol, he's not going to use alcohol. If we're not tempted by lust, he's not going to use lust. He's going to look for that area that we are vulnerable in, that area that we are weak in, that area that we have given up in. We can have victory in 99 areas, but it's that one area the enemy is shooting after. It's that one area that he wants to bring us down with. That's why we need a game plan. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is in the upper room again. 
and he's going over his game plan with his disciples. He says, fellas, I'm about to be betrayed. I'm going to be denied. I'm going to die. But don't fret. I will rise again. And as Jesus is going over his game plan in the upper room, um, a, a dispute breaks out amongst the table. Yesterday we talked about how the disciples was arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus leaves the head table and he takes a basin and a towel and begins to wash the disciples' feet. His message is simple. He says, if you want to have seats in heaven, you must learn how to serve down here on earth. Too often we are, we are arguing over stuff that really doesn't matter, but God wants us to realize that in order to sit up in glory, we must serve down here Amongst each other. But then he does something interesting. Uh, 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 Judas, who's at the table, gets up and leaves because now the devil has entered into him. And Jesus says, whatever you have to do, go on and do it quickly. But the rest that remain, he, 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 he begins to talk to them. But he, he holds in on Peter. It's a group of them around the table. But he says, Peter, he tells Peter, Simon, Simon. Now let's put a quarter in the meeting and stop there for a minute. Um, notice that he says, Simon, Simon. Anytime that the Lord calls your name twice in the scripture, to me that means he's trying to get our attention. Um, 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 you remember in Genesis 22 when God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, Isaac, the one that thou lovest, take him up to Mount Moriah and offer him up as a sacrifice. And as they're on their way up to the mountain, Isaac says, Father, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. Isaac, who is a young man, not a little boy, a young man who allows his father to strap him to the altar, to tie him to the altar, and Abraham, who, who's about to butcher the promised seed that God had promised him, the seed that he waited a long time for, just as he's about to strike him with a knife, an angel says, Abraham, Abraham, calls his name twice. In other words, now I've... I have your attention. Now I know that you are the father of the faithful. Now I know that you trust in God. Here in Luke, Jesus calls Peter's name twice. He says, Simon, Simon. Notice not only the, time, the, the amount of times he called his name, but notice what he called him. He called him Simon. Um, Simon is weakness because Simon means reef. If you know anything about a reef, a reef is flexible, a reef is flimsy, a reef goes whichever, whichever way the tide goes. In other words, Jesus was saying, although you have been walking with me for three and a half years, Peter, you still have some Simon inside of you. Although you see me feed multitudes, although you see me um, heal the sick, although you see me allow blinded eyes to be able to see, there's still some Simon, there's still some weakness inside of you. Yes, yes, you're not, you're not what you used to be, but if truth could be told, you're not everything you should be. And before we get too hard on, on Peter, some of us who are sitting here today, has some Simon inside of us. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, there's, there's some weakness inside of us. Uh, 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 just because we might have thrown out our cigarettes a few, a few months ago, don't get upset with somebody who's still struggling with tobacco. Simon, Simon. 
Just because we, just because, just because you and I have stopped gossiping and, and spreading um, the, 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 the latest news in the church around town, uh, don't get mad with somebody who still has loose, loose lips, Simon, Simon. Please do not get upset with someone who has not yet matured in the faith and who is still struggling with, 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 some, with some decisions that they're making, with some attitudes that they might have, when we just um, release some altitude that was in our attitude, Simon, Simon. I've come to tell you that all of us have some Simon inside of us. We all have some past that invades our present, that mess with our future. We we still have some weakness inside of us. He calls his name Simon because that means weakness. But then he says, Satan. If Simon is weakness, Satan must be warfare. And I've come to tell you today that, that Satan has engaged war on the church. It's not by um, happenstance or, chance or coincidence that the church is under attack, that a religion is under attack, that, that, that the way of God, the will of God, and the word of God is under attack. It's all by design. See, the Christian walk is not a playground, but more so a battleground. And we are in war every day. We got to fight for our families. We got to fight for our future. We got to fight for our financial security. We have to fight even for our faith and which we claim what we believe in Jesus Christ. Each and every day, the devil, Satan, is trying to move us from our faith. He's engaging warfare on us. It reminds me of the time when I had to buy a new car. Because my wife crashed the old car. Some of you who have a spouse who wrecked a car before knows what that's all about. I was in seminary and we were driving a, a red um, um, Toyota Corolla. And, 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 and you know, um, it wasn't much, but it's what we could afford. So I went to the dealer and I, and I looked at another Toyota Corolla because that's what we could afford. And I looked at this Hunter Green Toyota Corolla, and the dealer told me that it's a mighty good-looking car. And I said to the dealer, you're right, but cars don't run on looks. He says, won't you take it out for a test run? He gave me the keys, I got into the car, and I began to drive that car off the lot. I said, vroom. And then I went on the highway, vroom. Then I went down the street, vroom. Up the street again, vroom, vroom, vroom. Pulled back up in the lot and said, I'll take it. And the dealer said, I know you will. And I said, you know I will. He said, son, let me tell you something. I would never allow the car off the lot if it could not stand the test. Every now and again, Satan looks over the lots of God's Christians. And he says, you look like a Christian. You act like a Christian. You walk like a Christian. You talk like a Christian. You come to church like a Christian. But God, do you mind if I take him out for a test run? Child of God, you need to understand this. God would never allow you off the lot if he didn't think you could stand the test. He knows what we can bear. It reminds me of that commercial that we used to watch growing up. That, 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 that when you were watching a good television program, then this, this, the screen would go blank and, and a voice would say, this is only a test. 
An emergency broadcast has interrupted your program. For the next 30 seconds, we're going to run a test. But if this was an actual emergency, we would tell you what channel to tune into. Some of us sitting here in this church today are going through a test. We're going through a test in our marriage. We're going through a test in our money. We're going through a test in our ministry. But we need to understand what channel to tune into in order to pass the test. We need to tune into 23 point one, which says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We need to tune into 8.28, which says, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. We need to tune into 25.35, which says, I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Whatever you're going through, whatever the situation is, whatever the problem, the pain, or the pressure that you may be feeling today, know this is only a test. God will see you through. He says, Simon, weakness. He says, Satan, warfare. Then he says he wants to sift you as wheat. See, see, Satan only wants to sift individuals who are significant to kingdom building. He only sifts those that are involved and invested and invite others to the ministry. If the devil is not messing with your life, then maybe your life's not worth messing with. He says, I want to sift you. Sifting is wounding. The word sift in the Greek means to shake violently. Every now and again, Satan says, I can't move the Christian." From the will of God, the way of God, and the word of God. So let me shake some things up. Let me shake up the marriage. Let me shake up the job. Let me shake up the finances. Let me shake up the home. Let me shake up the children. Let me shake up the church. Let me shake some things up. And the reason why the Lord allows the shaking in our lives. He wants to see if we are really standing on his promises. Or are we just sitting in the premises. He says, Simon, that's weakness. He says, Satan wants to engage warfare in your life. He says he wants to sift you so that he might wound you. But look at verse 32. It says, but. That's a good consecrated conjunction. Simon, you're weak. But. Satan wants to engage warfare in your life, but he wants to sift you so he can wound you, but I pray for you. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus prayed for me. I'm glad that Jesus took time to pray just for me. Uh, uh, do you really understand who it is that prayed for you? The one who, who, who stepped out of nowhere, reached back into somewhere, and brought somewhere everywhere, he's the one that prayed for you. The one that was compressed into a seed of a woman, who, 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 was, who was placed in Mary's womb, who came down through 42 burning generations, he prayed for you. The one that walked the dusty streets of Galilee, the one that caused blind men to see, lame folk to walk, dumb folk to talk, the one that started his own anti-poverty program with a little boy's box 
much, two fish, five loaves, and he fed 5,000 plus and still had leftovers, he prayed for you. The one who they stretched, who they hung high, stretched wide, and dropped low, he prayed for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad about it. When I was sick, he prayed for me. When I didn't know which way I was going to turn, he prayed for me. When I was down and out, he prayed for me. When I didn't know how I was going to make a way, he prayed for me. Songwriter said somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time to pray for me. I'm glad that my mother prayed. I'm glad that my father prayed. I'm glad that the preacher prayed. I'm glad that you prayed. But I'm real glad that Jesus prayed. Then he says, when you are converted, strengthen your brother. In other words, he says, once you are strengthened, you will become a winner. In other words, Jesus says, on this journey, you will drop the ball. On this journey, you will miss the last shot. On this journey, you will strike out in the ninth inning. You will fumble, falter, and fail. You will have heartaches, headaches, and hangups in your life. You will have shortcomings on this journey. But you will, you will, you will, you will, you will do things on the journey. You will say things on the journey. You will think about things on the journey. But when you are converted. Tell somebody about the good things the Lord has done. If you are down, tell them that the Lord can pick you up. If you are lost, tell them that the Lord can find you. If you don't know how, you, how, how, to, how to find your way, tell them that the Lord can make a way out of no way. Tell them that the Lord is a way maker, a heart fixer, a mind regulator. Doctor in the sick room, lawyer in the courtroom, bridge over troubled water. If you don't have anything else to tell somebody, tell them that Jesus is my Savior. He suffered, bled, and died, and he paid the price on Calvary for my sin. And because he died, I'm a winner. I'm a winner, and I can make it and go on in Jesus' name. So whatever you do, don't allow Satan to take you out the game.